welcome to the world of Rex. This is Marvel A. Rex here. We are back with another weekly energy for the week of December 26th to the 1st of January. Happy New Year. It is official. 2023 is bumping up in to this weekly energy report. So it's official. Here we are. Here we go. It's going to be a big year. I am going to record my 2023 year ahead little snippet. It'll be a special episode. And we are ringing in the new year with Jonathan Andre Culleton, who is my guest. So stay tuned for a lovely conversation with some Sagittarius energy to get us, uh, even though it's Capricorn season officially, we're going to get some Sag, a little bit of a, 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 a Sag, um, what is it? Just like an echo, an echo of hope, an echo of fire. So we've got that going on. It's going to be a great episode. Wow. What is going down? I'm going to keep it short, simple, concise, accessible for y'all. And then we're going to dive into a conversation with Jonathan. Okay. So we're going to start with the overall energies. It is Capricorn season. We are deep in the sign of Capricorn. Archetypally, that is definitely a paternal, patriarchal, serious, advantageous, competitive, but but competitive, Capricorn is competitive in the way that it really wants to just accomplish things and accomplish things in a way that there is lo- some sort of like long-term or logical result. Aries is also a cardinal sign like Capricorn, but Aries is like starting things. It's the, it's the spark. It doesn't always have a ton of follow through, but it loves to get things started. Capricorn wants to follow it on through. And there is a serious quality to this energy. So just know that the entire collective is under the spell of a Capricorn stellium right now. So there may be more somber feelings, more internalized or interior feelings of wanting to create something new that is logical, that has some sort of plan, that is perhaps a heavy lift or hard work, because Capricorn is the sign that is capable alongside Taurus uh, of but, you know, building the castle, climbing the mountain, getting up the proverbial hill like this is Capricorn. It wants to do things and it really doesn't matter how much energy it takes. Capricorn will figure it out. So we're having that uh, every single one of us in some part of our chart is it's just really activated. So for me, this is my seventh house of uh, partnerships. It's also my sixth house of work. So, you know, heavy, heavy logistical work for me to figure out my daily routines and my work life, as well as important key relationships that have a serious and career related quality, right? Capricorn has a, a, an energy of career always associated with it. So wherever Capricorn is in your chart, if you know where it is, there is like a career ambition that is lying in the nugget of that house. So if it's the fifth house of like creative projects, lovers, children, gambling, you you that can be part of your career you know that would make a lot of sense you that your career involves those things if it's your first house of self if you're a capricorn sun capricorn rising happy birthdays to y'all then you know you're here to learn about your career you're here to embody your career in some way that's kind of inescapable okay so definitely a career and ambition oriented sign we're with it we're in it now the juicy thing that happens this week is that we are real deep in a state a shadow grade for mercury in capricorn so still capricorn themes still career related themes mercury is slowing way down and he will station on the 29th so that's this week and the day for that is thursday now my advice always during a mercury station which again is thursday the 29th 
is to take things really slow on the day of the station. It is not a day to overbook yourself. It is not a day to try to do a million things because when Mercury stations in the sky, he's basically waving a giant white flag saying, whoa, 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 whoa. We got we to gotta slow down. We got to stop. We have to figure out some things that I left behind from my journey into Capricorn. We need to go back to those degrees and learn some new stuff in that area. Again, if you know where Capricorn is in your chart and, you know, get a reading with me, I'm still doing a holiday special all the way until the first of the year. So that's the end of this week. I can tell you where Capricorn is in your chart and I can tell you where you are rethinking things and re-strategizing and re-figuring things out and where you have to have important conversations, perhaps for the second or third time, or you have to approach the person again. Okay, this is all Mercury retrograde in Capricorn. Again, having to do with career or with larger ambitions, etc. And again, it could be serious. It could have a somber quality to it. This is all very much the sea goat. Okay, Capricorn's the sea goat. So Thursday's a day to watch out for. It is a. It is basically to me. I would say it is the spiciest day of the week, Thursday. So that is the station for Mercury. And again, he is just pinpointing for you, okay, we got to slow down. And all of a sudden, for an entire month, Mercury is going to be retrograde and he's going to be acting a fool. But also, you know, the wonderful magic of Mercury retrograde is that he finds magical and mysterious ways to bring information to people. So it just becomes illogical. And it become, even in a highly logical sign like Capricorn, there's still, when Mercury's retrograde, there's still just sort of a, a completely nonsensical way that information tends to get to us. So being open, being flexible for the next month, starting on the 29th, will be really helpful. It is still of a Saturnian nature because any planet that enters Capricorn answers to Saturn. And Saturn is in Aquarius right now, which is your collective groups, the internet, you, the audience, your audience, if you are a, an entrepreneur or an artist, etc., who has an audience. So this is about being received by an audience over the next month. And you could be surprised. You need to be flexible in that reception or in that uh, collective moment with, with Saturn and Aquarius. How you engage with social media and the internet, these are all questions coming up. But also, like, what is your relationship to your community? I've said this, like, over and over again on the pod. But because Saturn is in Aquarius, moving out on March 7th, FYI, of, of 2023, but as he moves out, Pluto moves right on into Aquarius. So we're not done with the Aquarius theme, which is what is your relationship to your community? Do you feel like you're in the right community or communities? Do you need to take a leap of faith in that community and get deeper and more intimate? So this is definitely on the table for this Mercury retrograde. Reaching out to people, building stronger networks, building a singular within the plural, like a glissantian, I always talk about glissant, a glissantian, glissantian, I can't even, I'm like, I'm not French, uh, method of doing things, a way that you feel connected. And, and also, we are really moving out of the COVID signature, the COVID astrological signature of isolation. We are moving out of that officially in 2023. So that is a huge hurrah. And this Mercury retrograde is like, okay, how am I going for what I want in my career and my ambitions? And still, how is my want and my career ambitions tied into the collective? 
This is such an important question. I said it last week with the Jupiter station into Aries, which is a very selfish sign. And now it's like, it's still tied. It's still, all of these transits are tethered to Saturn in Aquarius and then Pluto in Aquarius. So Aquarius, again, the future, I call it Bernie Sanders energy. It is the energy of like thinking about how to give everyone universal basic income and free healthcare and making sure that everyone is integrated into a collective. I mean, Aquarius is really a future forward thinker. It's like, how do we build technology that saves the planet? How do we build technology that allows for intimacy between people and friendship and fraternity? I mean, that's a big part of it. So be thinking about these things because all of the Capricorn planets, Venus, Mercury, Pluto, and the Sun, they are all answering to Saturn and Aquarius. Therefore, they are all asking each and every one of us what is your relationship to your network and your communities? And like, does it feel healthy? Does it need to be, to be strengthened? I'm listening to a lot of books on tape right now about how to engage with people in social settings. Now, I consider myself a very charismatic person and a very loving person. Like, I genuinely am like in love with humanity and human beings. That's real for me. I don't have to like try to work hard on that. But I'm still listening to the nuances of like how to be in social settings with people and how to really make people feel welcome. So I'm, I'm really listening in on the minutia of body language and the minutia of how to have conversation with another person where they feel seen, lit up, energized, excited. So that's my work that I'm doing. But I recommend that work for everybody. That's the Aquarius bit. The Aquarius bit is how can I be a friend to everyone? How can I open my mind up, even with people I disagree with, and find some sort of connection, because there is connection always available. So that's a big part of this week. We are still really deep in all of the Aquarius themes, and we will be for a long time. Pluto's going to be in, in Aquarius for like 18 to 20 years. So we are so deep. We're so deep in the Aquarius medicine. Okay, so we're going to start out the week. And, you know, I really like these last couple weeks of the year here in the Northern Hemisphere. It's the winter time, so this is a very internal period of time. The moment that Mercury stations retrograde on Thursday, it's going to feel even more internal because anytime a planet turns retrograde, things go deeper into interiority. You know, you're reassessing the past. You're reassessing how you feel inside. This is all, RE words are all retrograde words. Reassessing, redoing, rethinking, recommunicating. So it's an internal process to figure out, okay, what do I need to redo? The wintertime is very helpful for that in the Northern Hemisphere. It's not a time to be super out about in the world. For the folks in the Southern Hemisphere, they're having their summer solstice. That's a huge moment for them. And it's just a different vibe. So for all my down under people, I love you. And I'm up here in the winter, even if it's L.A. Monday starts out with some pretty chill energy, I would say, in general. Okay, we've just had that new moon in Capricorn the week prior. So there is a new beginning in your Capricorn house. And there is a new beginning in your relationship to your career and your ambitions and how you network. Okay, those are all new things that are coming in very exciting. And it was a very beneficial, in my opinion, very beneficial new moon. So there's a lot of really fertile ground, even at the top of this week on Monday, the 26th, Tuesday, the 27th, there's a lot of fertile ground to be planting seeds with other people and communicating your desires and ambitions and saying like, Hey, do you want to be on my team? Do you want to be on my team? I really want to do this thing. I'm really energized about it. I know it's the year hasn't even ended yet, but like, these are some seeds I'm planting. So this is all work that I'm doing because I know the astrology. I am planting some major seeds right now with some folks. 
and developing new relationships and, again, trying to get better at social situations so that it feels great for everybody, right? Okay, so Monday... We have the moon is making a nice trine to Mars. The moon also is squaring, uh, sorry, the north node is, is getting squared by the moon. So this is some activation of the nodes, but also a nice trine to Mars. So there's some good action, even though Mars is retrograde. The moon is is blowing a kiss to Mars and the nodes are being activated. So there's some time to think about new strategies towards your fate. The nodes are fate or your destiny. And then the moon is kissing Mars. Mars is about action, thinking about new strategies. So Monday gives us some time and some even some insight into new things we're trying, especially in regards to, yep, you got it, communicating with other people, creating networks, etc. And there's something potentially long-term sustainable about that with the North Node, well, with both nodes being squared by the Moon. Tuesday, also quite chill. We still have this Moon in Aquarius that was there on Monday, being telling again saying all the Aquarius themes so Monday really starts out with like again Monday Tuesday networks your community are you involved do you feel isolated do you need to reach out and branch out more that's Monday Tuesday in a nutshell some really powerful stuff happening there and then on Wednesday we have our um, we have the Venus sextile Neptune which is a lovely aspect the north node will be sextiled by the moon it is you know it's a pretty like, wow, this is a supportive week in general. It's a supportive week. Neptune sextile Venus is a very minor aspect in general. Like I wouldn't normally talk about it, which shows you how little is going on this week. I, lo- I love weeks where there's not a ton of astrology because you know what? We've had a lot of intense astrology and right now we don't, which means that as above, so below, our lives should be pretty mellow during this period of time, should be pretty interior and should be gathering facts and like gathering what what happens in the winter it's like the bear goes into the cave and is like eating all the food that it stored up right this is hibernation mode so this is very much a hibernation week and wednesday has a little bit of fun in it because we get this lovely sextile between two generally benefic planets neptune's not quite benefic but neptune is can be really fun with venus and venus sextile neptune is basically saying like you can have fun on wednesday in a way that's like very Venusian, very Neptunian, which is like enjoying the arts. You have to kind of work for it. A sextile asks you to work a little bit, but there can be really great breakthroughs in any kind of creative endeavor on Wednesday or working with artists. Also a great day to network, but network in a way that is Venusian, is pleasurable, is not like a heavy lift. Even though it's all those Capricorn planets, Wednesday is more like Let's do something like spiritual or like, you know, this would be a great day. <laughs> be a great day to like take hallucinogens. Um, it would be a great day to go on a long walk with or without hallucinogens, but enjoy like the sensory experience of nature. Watch a really beautiful sunset. It, it's just time to get romantic on Wednesday. So doing something romantic, very, very well suited on Wednesday. And hopefully people are on vacation. This would be a great day. A a Venus-Neptune contact is great for a vacation day. So I highly recommend that for everybody. The next day we have the moon moving into Pisces. So things start to get, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, actually the moon is in Pisces Wednesday, Thursday. But definitely Thursday. We've got the moon uh, conjoining Neptune. So what do I say about the the moon conjoined Neptune? It is dreamy, dreamy, dreamy. So this is more just like going in to vacation mode, Wednesday, Thursday. And as I said, on Thursday, Mercury stations, 
So this is a big moment when Mercury stations. So Thursdays, like I look at Thursday, I'm like, this is not a day to get things done. Because the moon is in Pisces, moon in Pisces always says to us, hey, like you got to take care of the little baby that's inside of you. You've got to take care of the dreamy eternal soul that has very diffuse desires and is like can be swept up in a romantic feeling and cry while watching Shrek. You know, this is Moon and Pisces. Moon and Pisces is like complicated and everything and, and everything everywhere all at once. That's Moon and Pisces, just like psychedelia. So it is not a day to get stuff done. This is not a day to push things forward. This is a day to just be really receptive. Ooh, that's the word for Thursday. Receptive. Romantic and receptive. And just watch what happens because whatever's happening this week, especially Monday through Thursday, anything that happens that's like a weird communication or you have to redo something or there's something with your technology or your transportation, that's all Mercury whispering to you what your Mercury retrograde journey is going to be until late January. So pay attention. Pay attention to this week to this week with anything to do with communication, transportation and technology. Anything that comes up that feels weird or hard or like a heavy lift or a sobering, like a reality check, that is Mercury talking to you, saying, hey, this is your medicine for the retrograde period. This is something that you get to master. Ooh, that's such a good Capricorn word, mastery. So this Mercury retrograde over the next month offers us a opportunity, an opportunity to master something in the communication, transportation, and technological realm. Okay, so this is big. This is beautiful. Okay. And we are looking at the weekend. The weekend has a moon in Aries, Saturday, Sunday. Hoo-wee. All right. So we got another Aries weekend. Mm. Mm. <laughs> now, it's interesting. Jupiter's there now. So every time the moon is going to be in Aries, you can bet your little biscuits that Jupiter's there making everything so much more obvious. So, and what I mean by obvious is like, I mean, doesn't matter what it is. It can be positive or negative, but Jupiter will magnify any of the Aries themes in our lives. And this weekend, this is a great time to apply consciousness. What's going on over the weekend, especially since Mercury just stationed. Pluto, uh, Jupiter's there. Jupiter is there in Aries. The moon is in Aries. Chiron is there, making us feel wounded around something to do with our ability to assert ourselves, our relationship to masculinity, our relationship to, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur, going for what we want selfishly. All of these things are magnified right now because of Jupiter being there. So the moon is going to magnify everyone's personal desires. And what happens when every, you know, everyone in the collective has a personal desire? Well, Inevitably, there are conflicts <laughs> because some people's personal desires conflict with others, right? And anyone who is in deep relationships, which I hope everyone has the opportunity to be in deep, intimate relationships, knows that there are two people or more in these dynamics. That's what a relationship is. You're in relation to something else, to another being. We all know that each of us is a universe unto ourselves and each of us is like profoundly agitating to the other person. Precisely, it is the nature of relating is that people, I, I've said this in previous episodes, people will inherently annoy you because each one of us is highly, highly complex. A complex intergalactic system of emotions, memories, thoughts, thought feelings, you know, unconscious desires, conscious desires, semi-conscious desires. Like it's so complicated. 
we're all these like solar systems, right? And we do bounce up against each other and have moments of tension, like often. So the Aries weekends and anytime the moon enters Aries, we are going to brush up against what we really want. And that will likely have some sort of, you know, let's say chemical reaction with another person and their strong desires. Because if everyone's feeling more alive in the Aries part of their chart with Jupiter there, everyone's going to have moments of like, ooh, I really want this thing. And I really want it for me. And is that going to ruffle the feathers of my relationship? Yeah, probably. Probably. So Mercury being retrograde, take things slow in the communication realm. I would just, my, my advice on a very practical level is to be writing down your desires for the new year with Aries and Jupiter. Think really, really big. Think huge. Think very macro and think illogically. Mercury, uh, Jupiter and Aries is like, go for the gold. Go for the thing that no one thinks you can do. Just go for it. Desire that. Let Give yourself permission to desire the thing that the practical, you know, built-in brain or the late capitalist brain that's like, oh, I don't know if you can do that. That, that voice can be tucked aside during the end of the year while we're really planting seeds for greatness, planting seeds for a massive hero's journey. And also, as you're taking notes for what you really desire slowly communicate because basically it seems like I think very much so in 2023 a lot of people are going to get into ooh, what's Aries good at fighting a lot of people are going to get into fights because they're going to say well I have the, I know what I want now I know what I want and the other person's like you're not the person I met I, I mean I didn't know you wanted that like there's going to be an adjustment period and so if we're taking the communication slowly not being super reactive especially because Mercury is retrograde starting Thursday, if we're slow to communicate our emerging desires, because Jupiter basically is acting like a defibrillator in our Aries part of the chart, like, go-gong, your heartbeat all of a sudden wakes up again. So people are going to feel like, like breakthroughs in their desires, breakthroughs in what they want for themselves, selfishly. And again, I don't use the word selfishly ever in a negative context with clients. I'm always like supporting people in developing healthy selfishness because that's the only way to be in community as a leader is to make sure that you've gotten your shit taken care of. Now, the flip side is that you cannot isolate yourself through selfish behavior. So it's a very fine dance, the middle path, as the Buddhists call it of balancing, okay, I have taken care of my needs and also I am able to now show up for the community in service, right? Those are the two things. They have to happen together. But in this moment, because Jupiter is brand new in Aries, this is his like moment where he's like, ah, I'm in this sign. Boom, spelunk, one degrees, one degrees of Aries. He's there. This is kind of an, an awakening moment for a lot of folks in terms of what they need. So in awakening moments, sometimes people get really excited and then they're like, I'm going to tell the whole world what I want. And that can cause interpersonal challenge with other people, right? It can cause challenges. So take things slowly, especially over the weekend. It is a good weekend with the moon and Aries to take some time alone. Aries actually function really well alone in terms of processing emotions, People with strong airy signatures need to kind of go and be by themselves for a moment to process emotions. So this is a good time to do something for yourself that feels really good. Or you can do something in a social manner with people, but make sure that everyone is 
everyone feels fulfilled by whatever you're doing together. It's not just like someone's compromising profoundly. Again, like last weekend or the weekend prior was the Libra moon and Libra moon is like compromise. But Aries moon, especially with Jupiter there and Chiron there is like part of healing the toxic masculinity wound that is Chiron and Aries is by very help in a very healthy and respectful manner respect like communicating what you need and then doing it for yourself and taking accountability for what you need in a way that does not cause harm to other people because you communicated it well and you took accountability for the whole thing the whole vibe that is the work on the weekend. Not super light, not like a, oh, super fun. It's a little intense. And and all of the, the moon will square every single Capricorn planet over the weekend. And that to me looks like, ooh, I don't know, mm, power dynamics, power control issues, coming up against authority figures, wanting to fight against authority figures. So there's going to be some crunchy stuff over the weekend. And my advice with that Mercury retrograde is to journal, to be interior, to take a walk by yourself and process things. I like to talk to myself out loud. That's what I do. That helps me a lot. Talking to a therapist is great. Talking to a very close friend who's maybe outside of any of the drama. But just taking some time to do some self-care over the weekend and work with that Chiron and Aries. That Chiron and Aries is going to be there for a minute and he is really pinpointing how toxic the current form of late capitalist masculinity is. And that's for everybody. This is everybody. I'm not just talking about men. I'm not talking about a specific group of people. Everybody and everybody deals with masculinity, has to navigate, quote unquote, the umbrella term that that encapsulates, right? All the things that that, enca- that, 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 that encapsulates. Whew, Mercury's not retrograde yet, but I'm feeling it. So we're all navigating how do I take accountability for myself, my strong desires in a way that is respectful and nonviolent. Oof, that's it. Mm, That's it. That's healing the Chiron wound in Aries. So keep that all in mind. Jupiter is deeply magnifying that, especially over the weekend with the moon. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. You guys are going to rise to the occasion consciousness is ever expanding i profoundly believe that i'm a true optimist in the sense that i'm like this world is only going to get better believe it or not it's only going to get better so that's the week thank you so much for listening to the world of rex we are about to have jonathan andre culleton on we're going to have a short uh advertisement break in this segment leading into this awesome conversation with john i love him he's from boston he's a great dude and uh if you want to get a reading with me, I am leaving a link tree in the show notes. John uh, so graciously uh, talked me up at the end of the episode, so listen to that. But I'm having a lot of fun with clients. It's really, really fun to read for folks. And if you do feel like you want some guidance heading into 2023 so that you feel supported and strong, reach out to me, okay? There is still a holiday special happening until the 1st of January. I am really willing to work with folks, and I know it's tough times for a lot of folks, so I'm just really willing to meet people where they're at and help folks feel supported going into 2023. It's a big year. I'm going to do a little podcast episode on it, but it is a big, fiery year. Okay, now we're going to shift to our interview, and uh, there's a short little ad break between. Enjoy. And we are back on the World of Rex with Jonathan Andre Culleton. Right at the tail end of Sagittarius season, we have the big Sag energy up in the house right now. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Jonathan, Am I allowed to talk a little bit? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Oh, you got things to say. I know. I know you got things it just, to say. I, it's just coming in hot like fire. And yeah, <laughs> I think honestly, like the sad energy is the energy we want to end the year on. No diss yes. to the Capricorn, but it is that fire. It's that fire in the hole that you need for the next year. So <laughs> that's me. <laughs> you are the fire in the hole. I love it. Absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to keep this episode spicy and we're going to talk some Thanks. real talk. Jonathan and I are collaborators. We're co-creators. We have like the magic sauce when it comes to writing together. Really, truly. Like I, mm. I that's an understatement. I'm just like, we've got the magic sauce sauce. We write Love comedy, it. crime comedy. We write all sorts of comedy and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And we have, you know, we're venturing in other genres, but the comedy's hilarious. And uh, Jonathan lives here. Well, currently Jonathan's living in the desert. He's having his desert living outside of Los Angeles, but He's close to Los Angeles, and I see him at our trans mass cohorts. John, you want to say hi, introduce yourself. How do you identify? And I don't even mean sexuality or gender. I just mean all the ways that you experience. Uh, this world. <laughs> How the do you identify to a trans guest? And then you expect me not to interpret that gender <laughs> and sexually. Okay. <laughs> Well, now we've established that you're of the trans genre, horror comedy. Ooh, I outed myself. Okay, let's go. Let's go for it. I'm trans and I'm gay. Those are... (laughs) Too gay for for the podcast. Too gay for the podcast. I uh, identify too, I guess, as a a director and a writer primarily, Mm -hmm. um, but overall a filmmaker uh, with the understanding of all-encompassing, you know, story elements and uh, mise-en-scene, as it were, Um, you know. (laughs) (laughs) To have a real... real established word yes do people know do people know that i'm like clowning completely do people do people understand that fire in the hole fire in the hole we're gonna find out we're gonna find out yeah i'm like i think i guess i guess part of my work is that like it's it's built to be not pretentious and very accessible um and i really hope that um it it works on a level where yes, this people can watch it. But as to your point before about our comedy, it's meant to be funny and entertaining. So that's sort of how we get them. That's sort of how with the conversation we've been having for three years is yes. like, how do we get them? You know, and yep. um, and our, our it's to be as funny, to be as good, and to be yes. as entertaining. Yes, and I will tell the audience that like your our collision, you and I, was so medicinal for me because I came out of like the highfalutin art world where it was like everything mm-hmm. has a sixteen meanings and it's all very complicated and there's a system and a structure and the museum and the mm-hmm. gaze and not the fun kind of gaze but the gaze G A Z E and yes, meeting you, you really like blew open. You were like, dude, it has to be accessible. It has to be accessible, right? The The thing that I really appreciate about our coming together as storytellers and as artists is that you do have more of a universal and like radical mindset in terms of making really entertaining work that is not just for a niche audience. That's what I love about your vision. It's so Sagittarius because Sagittarius is like big, big picture. And it is radical in the sense that you're not just making work that's niche or just for trans audiences. You're really trying to make you're trying to bring trans and queer content to the collective. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, I also think that our collaboration has a lot to do with 
the link up of our personalities and the way that we get each other's gender expression really specifically. So finding another creator that was able to do that. And I didn't expect it to be this creator because I turned around and there was like, you know, a trans guy in like hot pink, pink bikini, you know, bottoms at a pool party. And I didn't think that this was going to be my new writing partner and that this person would have the same sensibilities. But the more we talked, the more we understood that we were kind of of the same mindset in terms of like what we wanted to happen in the Mm -hmm. community and how we wanted to operate within it, like the level of respect that we wanted. So um, yeah, I think also just, I want to say that like, you've been really important to me as a creative because you were some of the first validation of like my worth as a writer I had done Mm. you know I was about to release my digital series it was in editing when I met you Mm. and it was just like you know there wasn't any validation um really even after that it it took me a few years to even get to the position that I am at now but it was so important for somebody to be like I like what you do so mm-hmm. like let's link up and um yeah I, I had the best time teaching you how to write and creating weirdly in a in a you know Frankenstein kind of way my writing partner like I literally um I literally feel like I couldn't have done it with anybody better oh thank you it was it's amazing you taught me I, I want to say to the audience like Jonathan taught me how to screen right and I finished my first feature and John I didn't tell you this but I'm gonna tell you this on the pod <gasps> I, I won my first award for screenwriting <sighs> I did Papa did it you bit you did it Papa. I'm literally tearing up a little bit um yeah. Yeah, that really means a lot to me because, yeah, like I said, like you validated my own work, but you also validated what I had to say about writing and like narrative, you know? So I think a lot of times in the community, we talk about representation like a lot Mm -hmm. and representation is super important, but it's not more important than like narrative structure um, and making our movies really good. A hundred percent. And I just appreciate that like, yeah, you, I was always really good at writing in school and my teachers were like, you should be a writing professor. I was like, fuck you. Like, ah. why would you say that to me? You know, yep. I yep. really like, I never have not had this dream. So the idea that like, I could give that to somebody else is really important to me. And you will continue to, I have a feeling you'll be mentoring people <laughs> as no, I really do because you're, you are, we learned, I learned story structure from you and it's, fantastic and i feel really confident going in and writing a feature now like i really do even like a series i haven't done a i haven't done my own solo series yet but i also feel like you gave me the the ground rules to figure it out and even like the bumper you know the bumpers in the bowling lane to figure it out like i have the structure now which is amazing you know and i i will say like you're a sagittarius a sagittarius son so you're amazing at telling stories that's what sagittarius do they're storytellers and they see the forest for the trees and they re- you really see the macro a lot, I think. You exist in the macro universes. Yeah. And then your Aquarius rising is all about creating structure for the story. So it works really, really well, you know? Yeah, I, do- um, I, I watched everything everywhere all at once the other night. And I was like, oh, I'm Joy. 
Um, yeah. Everything is happening for me all at once. Mm-hmm. And um, from that, like oftentimes I talk about the quiet of my mind and that's mm-hmm. what creates the stories. And usually a character will call to me as well. You know, mm-hmm. we have, you know, some characters we haven't even talked about publicly that yep. are straight up muses. Alexander yes. Gray as a person is a muse for me that um, made Amen. writing for her super easy. So um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I do feel like, yeah, you know, I just want to piggyback off what you just said. I feel like you, I feel like characters actually come alive inside of you and like literally start to run you. Like that's how I feel about, I'm not going to say her name, shmola, 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 shmola. you know what I mean? But like, I feel like, I do feel like you have, they started, they really take a hold of you on like a spiritual, in a spiritual way, I feel like. Yeah, it's like, um, I don't think about groups of people usually. I think about them in terms of an individual, just like we talk about like when you write stories, the more specific you make things, the more universal they become Mm -hmm. because the human experience is really just a few different, you know, notes played in various keys. So there's all this, you know, information that you download throughout your life. And then when I have something in my heart, I think the character starts to form and talk to me about it. And then, you know, as with that character that we shall not name right now, yes, that, you know, it's something where, yes, like it's the easiest thing to write in the world to me because she's telling me her story personally. Wow. I, I, you, you know me, I'm like the woo-wooiest guy. Like I just yes. love all the spiritual stuff and all the metaphysical stuff. And I'm yeah, literally. That's, that's the Frankenstein you created was me being woo-woo. Exactly. Yeah, right. You taught me how to write. I taught you how to be woo-woo. Um, well, welcome to LA. Like everyone here is like astrology. Um, <laughs> yoga. But yeah, yeah, yoga, feelings, tarot. Oh, everyone's into tarot. I love it. I love Hollywood being so deep into the tarot. But, it, you know, I do feel like you, I feel like John Waters, you included, also another amazing John. John Cameron Mitchell. Like, I feel like you all are haunted by characters. Like, I do actually think you guys channel, like, almost like, I don't want to say that they're necessarily people from the dead, but they're, you're channeling or touching in like an antenna into the collective con- unconscious and like picking up some pretty major stories because the character that we're not saying out loud, she just is so, she's so real to me. It's just mm-hmm. she's so dimensional and it's 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 uncanny that she doesn't exist yet. And yet she does exist in the sense that in some future iteration, an actress will play her and you and I will watch her come before our eyes. We, we'll watch her like a Frankenstein. We'll be like, what? Yeah, we'll watch her come before her before our eyes. Uh, love it. Yes, actually, that's going to happen probably. But anyway, regardless, um, let's 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 go back in time. Speaking of going in and out of time, let's go back in time. And I want to let the audience know like where are first off we have not outed you as oh as what you are of what Bustodian. you are okay you're from boston <laughs> this man's from boston okay yep yep um yeah i was <laughs> i was born in in uh in boston massachusetts grew up you know a red Sox fan and a celtics fan grew up with uh you know watching people save like uh car spaces in lawn chairs and like four feet of snow like (laughs) just a wild place that is a lot of fun has a lot of problems just like anywhere but it, it is home to me still yes and I know that Bombshell, your your digital series, which is available on Amazon, I'll link yes. it in the show notes. I know that, you know, Amazon or not Amazon, Bombshell on yeah. Amazon. Bombshell was about a Bostonian man, a trans man, gay trans man who found himself in Los Angeles. Do you want to talk more about Bombshell? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, Bombshell is about a, a gay trans man who's essentially navigating the like shark infested waters of LA's dating scene, which of course, as I know that you can attest to as well, <laughs> um, can be very precarious for trans people, especially, um, and especially oh, yeah. before quote unquote, even the tipping point, which we would we we could talk all day about that so we won't but um the idea that like there was a certain point where language was really all over the place and things could be very hurtful and intimate situations and that's really what the show uh talks about it also features a cartoon ghost penis um who basically yeah is like an id for our character and um, ghost penis is like a thing that trans men, you know, often experience, but this is in like a superhero form, really taking it back and um, making it something that's really empowering. I mean, his name is Penis Mascot. Like he's dressed <laughs> in a cape with a yeah. little, with like little, like a little uh, Batman and Robin, little like uh, uh, eye, what is it, mask? Like eye yeah, mask? Yeah, he's got a little mask. And when so he gets cute. really excited, his eyes turn into little sperms. Yes. Oh, right. Totally. I remember this. The thing that's brilliant about it, John, is like, first off, I want to say Bombshell is a comedy for everyone who's like, ooh, do I want to watch this? It's a total comedy. And John wrote the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. also, like, I mean, there is depth there. You just said that the flying penis mascot, which sounds like totally banal and crazy and like uh, it sounds like South Park. You, mm-hmm. It is the id of the character. Like, I love how, you know, you do, you are deep, but you're just it's like, yeah. you're just like deep in this way where you're like, but it's got to be entertaining first. You know, it has to be entertaining first, which I think is the mark of a, a, a great filmmaker personally. Yeah, um, I'm kind of like, I just go in there with what I want to do, um, which I think is a thing that I learned from cis het filmmakers that I adored as a kid. Yes. They were unapologetic and they used it for evil sure as shit, you know, like Chris oh, Columbus yeah. is trash. But <laughs> the fact is, is that their films are really narratively sound. So what I've taken from them is like that and this gusto of being like, who gives a fuck if like everybody yeah. identifies with this? This is this is literally like so closely my story. So if you ever want to know the tea on me and what I did. <laughs> Mm-hmm. watch bombshell you know these are real real trans stories yes yes and i think that you are so yeah i just love that we're going to continue to make this kind of work and it's going to get bigger and better and i love that you did the thing that you know i don't you did the thing where you told the story about your experience as a younger trans person because now you and i i'm not going to out you but we've been trans both of us have been trans for a while you've been trans for a long time and right pre 16 years 16 years pre Mm -hmm. laverne cox like very much before laverne cox pre 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 laverne cox being on the cover of time magazine it's like eight tegan and sarah hairstyles ago yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love that for you. And I love that you told your story, but not in the way, and I'm no shade, but also shade, uh, not in the way of like, this is a really sad, cause you know, you experience things. Oh, I've yeah, also experienced no. things in the dating world that are traumatic for folks whose identities, like our identities were not at all in the mainstream. So we were basically like putting ourselves out there like r- Russian roulette, you know what I mean? In the dating world, it was like, I mean, we never knew it was going to happen. Yeah, like Bombshell is like has like has so many traumatizing scenes that you could just take away from it, you know, 
being like, okay, well, this is a tee for this one person, this one person, you know, did that or whatever uh, to Jay or to John, you know, whoever's inferring. But um, I think that that's like, that's really like somebody trying to say like, it's only a few of us. And just statistically, I know the amount of times that I've had sex and the amount of times that I've had a insane transphobic experience and the number is quite high i would say oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) absolutely absolutely yes and i think particularly i'm just going to position you in this moment like particularly for gay trans men i think it's i mean because cis men are uh like uh, they are emotionally abandoned at a very young age so it's like it's like swimming with sharks it's like swimming with sharks you never know absolutely yes stay away Um, (laughs) yeah you're like i survived here i am um I want to ask you a follow-up question really quick, which was, who are, would you say, like, who are the filmmakers that really inspired you as a young person growing up in Boston? Like, what was, what did you see growing up where you were like, oh, there is, there's a bigger life for me out there. Like, I have a higher calling, basically. Well, when I was, when I was a kid, when I was like, you know, preteen, I was doing a lot of acting. Um, So I did a lot of theater work and we met queer people there for sure. We didn't know that's what they were, but we were like, you know, that prancing dancer (laughs) from the chorus. (laughs) Interesting. We love him. So, you know, there, there was that. Um, I did the Girl Scout show, which was a cable access show where I was a host when I was 12. Amazing. Um, did, you know, so did that. Um, and then, you know, in terms of when I, when I became a teenager, um, I started like getting into Ang Lee. Um, and that was like a huge turning point for me and very specifically like Sense and Sensibility being mm-hmm. this huge movie for me. Um, and when I was a kid growing up, like I loved Jurassic Park. Yeah. I loved yep. Home Alone, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. those, those films I loved Harry Potter you know <laughs> that kind of oh, thing yeah. too. Um, and I was very taken with like epic stories but mm. uh, it wasn't until I like met sort of a art like artsy group of kids because my high school was so small it was like the art kids the nerds you know and the and the drug kids were all the same <laughs> like it was yeah. like seven you pulled kids. together you pulled together yeah yeah so i was like a little bit of all of those identities and um and i fit right in and they taught me about everything from like the beats to like weird fucking film run lola run you know when mm. i saw that that like changed my life too so um that was all for my high school friends Yes. And I wonder if it's a little, is it a little bit like Zachary's story where she, cause she watched a lot of film. Like she's, she's a total cinephile due to the fact that she was living in Syracuse in a cultural vacuum. Do you feel like you also were like isolated and needed film mm. to feel like there was something more, or of course you, you didn't see your identity reflected around you and neither did, did you know you were trans at the time? Cause I didn't know it was trans. Mm, when I was growing up. What a multi-layered question. I <laughs> love how you asked that. Five um, questions in one. Well, first of all, Boston is a small city, but it is a very like amazing multicultural city. So mm. the, the, way that you know I experienced life through being a Montessori kid there was there was music there was life there was everything like that mm-hmm. um I forget what the, the tail end of the question was well did you watch films to find oh, right. that sort of inspiration so, yeah right so um so the reason though that Al my sibling who you know um were helped on our campaign for Spookable um 
we watched those things over and over again just because we were TV junkies. Like we Mm. were just addicted to television and movies. Mm. Um, If we loved a movie, we watched it over and over and over. Um, And I think as I've been talking about, I just did uh, on Christmas, I'll release on my pod, the Little Women episode with Al, but really for this whole year on on my pod, you know, films like Fried Green Tomatoes and Now and Then, Mm. those were films that we watched a lot to your point, because I think on some level, yes, that we, we did understand we were queer. Um, I had a recurring dream when I was a kid uh, that I was shirtless and walking in the neighborhood streets with the boys of our neighborhood who really were never my friends. They were always Al's friends. Mm. Um, They were a little bit older. I hung out with the girls, you know, because I'm a fag. But um, (laughs) but I had this I, I had this recurring dream. And then when I was 16, I started identifying as queer. But I was like, but why don't I want to fuck a girl? Like I feel gay, but I don't want to fuck a girl. And it wasn't until I heard the definition of of trans when I was 21 that I really knew that I was trans, but possibility was an issue for me in terms of gender expansion. (laughs) And I and I want to say I think it is a lot more challenging overall broad strokes for gay or lesbian trans people because like quote I I don't know my my gender identity and my sexuality has changed a lot and is conti- I'm continuing to vacation but I was dating primarily cis women when I transitioned so it made a lot of sense for me I was like oh I just want to be like masculine presenting but I'm still going to be dating women so there was this heteronormative like clause or like you know foundation that felt very like supportive of my transition whereas for you it makes sense that you were like what the hell's going on you know Yeah, it was very confusing, but I knew that I had a huge crush on my piano teacher, Mr. Bill. He was, (laughs) he had this like amazing hair and he was just tall as shit. And I was like, damn. And I was was probably like nine or 10 years old. Um, And then when I, when it changed to Miss Celia, I was like, fucking hell, fuck piano. You know, so I I really, um, I knew early on that I was really attracted to men and I, I I wrote pornography with my friend um, when I went into Catholic school. Um, I met this girl and I wrote wrote pornography and expressed myself that way. Um, But I was also growing up extremely Catholic in a way that was just like, kind of don't ask don't tell Boston level Catholic Boston level. Yeah, it was like, you know, just anything but being queer and I remember even revealing it to people like the popular kids in my grade popular out of 40 like what were we doing but (laughs) we're like walking with them and one of them was just like you're gay right just tell us I wanted to know so badly and I did I did enjoy being like yeah you know yeah I'm fucking weird as shit and you don't understand me um and that was my identity for the longest time I love that yeah I mean that's part of why I think we have a freedom in our writing now because you and I from a young age I mean I just feel like we never we never passed as normal or straight right so it was like we have permission now to write the craziest films and craziest television because it's like we have been pushed out into the boundaries of our existence for from a, from a very long time like just from a long time ago you know it's you, a, you know i'm at the end of my rope with this shit yeah. <laughs> you know you know more than anybody yeah. that with trans people cannot spend another fucking year making 
anything less than full like balls or whatever you have to the walls. Yeah. Yes. And what you mean by that, just to, I'm going to like open it up. Translate. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to translate John really quick. I like, you're like balls to the walls, period. Mic drop. Uh, ovaries to the walls. Yeah. No. Um, I, I, what John means audience is like, you know, not really creating work that isn't just for the cis gaze and isn't just like didactically trans. I was just talking about this earlier today with the other Ooh. person that's going to be on world of Rex, Felix, who nice. you have on your podcast, Felix, Matt. Nice. So cute. <laughs> But just basically like creating full-fledged characters in popular culture for television that are like ha living their lives and aren't explaining their gender identity to people as if that's where they end and begin. Like exactly, yeah. It's just I mean, so boring. It's well, so boring. We and both of us walk through the world pretty passing, you mm -hmm. know. So we have this fly on the wall. Um, a really long time period for both of us, honestly, several yes. years of being a fly on the wall now. Oh yeah. And we, oh, yeah. and it gives you a confidence, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like that AMAP confidence, you know, that they mm -hmm. teach them. And, and we, uh, I think part of it is being unapologetic because the space is ours, yes. you know, there's there. And, and what I, what I also mean too, is like specifically being, true to our specific stories. Yes. So, you know, you have a creator that's being brought into the meeting or whatever, and they're like, well, we, we don't like this, this, and this. Well, that's, you know, and that's because it's uncomfortable and you don't think that the uh, cishet audience is going to be able to make the leap from the last TV show, what the yep. last TV show taught them. And it's yep. not our job to do that. It's our job to tell people that gender has already expanded. Yes. And if, if you are late to the party, that's okay. That's like the queerest thing to do. Yes. Um, but join us because we're literally breaking everything. Yes. And also like, look, I don't think we need permission. I mean, part of what's so frustrating about Hollywood, you know, John and I, as well as Felix, who I just interviewed, we are all cultural producers. Literally, we're doing activism through storytelling. That is what we're doing. And even though we want it to, we want to make it entertaining and awesome and really fun for people, we're still trying to get our our identities and our positionalities into culture because we don't want a whole group of people to never see themselves on screen like all of us did growing up. Like we did not see ourselves on screen. Period. Yeah. And so we're on the front lines being like, let's make this happen. And the thing that we don't need permission in the sense that like, look, I always think, you know, it's not a popular topic now, but I always think about the Cosby show because in the 90s when they were shopping or the 80s when they were shopping the Cosby show it to NBC, to ABC, to all the network behemoths, they mm. all of those guys said all those white dudes that were holding up the fucking, you know, all the power. They said to the people shopping the Cosby show, no one wants to watch a television show about a black family. That's what they said. Yeah. And we get that now. That's where we are right now, John. Like, yeah. we, I mean, we know this. We've done it. We've shopped work and everyone's just like, Whoa, no one's buying trans stuff. Like, it's too, it's too out there. It's too radical. We have the thing that I keep thinking about is I'm like the entire generation of Gen Z is basically genderqueer, whether they want to be or not. Like, yeah. they they were raised on the internet. Their identity is, like, multivalent and diffused. So I'm just saying, like, 
I, I'm ranting right now, but my point is, is that like we're fighting for this. That's what we're fighting for. And it's totally valid because in the film industry, you don't want to make what's for now. You want to make the next thing. Mm -hmm. So the idea that we should be thinking about that generation and making stuff for them is absolutely correct. Yes, completely. So, you know, hey, if anyone's listening that's in the entertainment <laughs> industry, like get your ovaries together, get your balls together, like figure it out, support trans people. As Halo is always saying, like, give us money to make shows. Give us you know. money. Tell me, John, I want to know now, like, what are you working on that you're excited about? Maybe you can't talk about some things, but if you want to talk in metaphors or poetry, I'm happy to hear. Or, or if you don't want to answer directly what you're working on, because maybe you can't, maybe talk about what are the characters that you're the most excited by bringing to screen? What do you want to see on television? What is the future of television for you? Okay. And okay. film. Okay. Yes. So one thing I will say is that I am working, I am working with a character currently that is based on someone real that you and I know. Um, and that excites me because this is a person that just like my characters just breaks the norms and breaks the like the plate of all cishetness. So um, yes. that's something that I'm working on right now for a feature screenplay that yes. I cannot talk about. Um, I'm also in pre-production for our film Spookable, which doing the directing side of it now that we have combed this story and worked with it for so long, um, the, the directing side is a whole new aspect of storytelling that I'm essentially delving into right now. And it's so rewarding that we made made that house very solidly because yes. now we really get to play in it. Yep. So that's what's happening with my my projects. Um, the character uh, that is calling to me most for what I'm going to do after we wrap that film, mm. I'm going to write a feature uh, that is is that character that we were talking about because I need to like reconvene with her. She you know that she is me. I think that's also yes. the thing that you know that oh, yes. that character is me. And um, part of I don't want to give away too much. That is a drag character. I will say that she's a drag mm -hmm. queen. A drag queen. Um, we won't put the other half of what makes her super interesting, but um, she's a drag queen. And I think uh, you've known me long enough uh, that you've seen all the spectrum of my gender. I think mm -hmm. you know that mm -hmm. I am super masculine energy, but there's a my gayness, it can be really feminine. Yeah. Um, and so, and these are parts of me that that I love and yes. I embrace. Um, so what that character really does for me is, is an expression of femininity. So I'm actually really excited just because I, I like to, to reconvene with her. I like to be with her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel that. And you know, like that rubbed off on me because when we're, when I'm in our scripts that you and I co-wrote, I'm just like such, I get so pulled in and it's just words on paper, but I'm so mm -hmm. in it. I'm so in her world. And I'm like, I love her. And one thing I want to just say to the audience is like, I just want to reflect for you, John, that I love your ability to vocalize your how hyper mask you are like on on an external level because you are like really mm. like you're a fucking dude from boston like yeah. like, like let's just be real um you have a great beard you know it changes <laughs> yeah. but like it's a great beard and and yet you're like able to say oh this is my feminine side it's a strong feminine side so there we go i'm back yes you're back 
just the just your ability to integrate your femininity and to also channel your femininity into characters in a way that's like unapologetic and like amazing badass you know is thank the word. you thank you so much yeah i think it's the the thing in bombshell where it's like a faggot versus our faggot you yeah. know <laughs> yes <laughs> it yes. makes a big difference you know yes. if you embrace yourself even yes oh i love it and we're all this dynamic i i truly believe that even the people who want to be normcore they're they're dynamic as well so you're and you're creating characters that give them permission to do that to be more yeah. that's part of being on the front lines is that you're giving people permission to be more expansive as a writer yes a creator and we're having fun and we're having fun exactly amazing um so spookable's coming up you've got a feature you can't talk about what other care so will uh obviously the one the drag queen that we cannot talk about i Willa, love how you started i it. almost said her name and i did i stopped but like she's coming she's gonna come to the world i can't wait for her to come to the world and is there any other kinds of like work you want to see or you're just like this is what this is the kind of characters i want to see or the kind of stories etc like what is the future worlds that you want to bring to the world you know my future characters. I mean, there's a lot of, I know you know most everything that I, I work on. So the idea of um, uh, properties that feel like properties of old, you know that I love my Gilmore Girls. Uh, oh, yeah. Different TV has been really important to me, especially mm -hmm. so the idea of reinventing those shows, not as remakes, you know, but as uh, what is the heart of this and what was the thing that like made people want to watch it like compulsively right. and to tap into that level of like show for trans people. That's mm -hmm. like kind of my main goal I would say is to like fuck it up from the inside and yep. be beyond what we what we have which is you know if a show is about trans people you know it's few and far between and then if there's a character that's trans on a show it's like a one-off it's a season thing or whatever and yeah, we're the whole damn year like we're we're everything so um i want to take over i guess is the answer to your question <laughs> with these characters um in all in all um genres but especially like sci-fi fantasy and all realms of comedy yes i love oh i love both of those genres so much mm -hmm. and we need it we need you know felix was talking earlier in the interview i had with him just about trans joy and like mm -hmm. bringing trans joy through dynamic characters even if it is like a crime comedy or a sci-fi or whatever like but having having us be so much more than just what the politicized moment wants to make us which is just like people with uh i don't know complex relationships to our genitals or whatever um right <laughs> So I, I love that. Very, very exciting. And and like Zachary Drucker likes to say, like, it's inevitable. The world is turning. We are turning towards these stories in these worlds. And like, look, the Wachowskis made The Matrix so long ago, and we're still going to we're going to continue to make weirder and weirder stuff, you know, but we've been here making culture the whole time, you know, and now just more of us have access, which is amazing. Yeah, you can't do this to a group of people and then expect them not to create art. Like that's <laughs> that's like an inevitable process in in the human race. It's so real. Like all of us were so traumatized in high school, especially us born in the 80s and 90s as trans mm -hmm. people. Yeah. It's like we're so we're like they made us artists. It's so funny. It's so ironic. I'm like you made us go through so much hell and of course we're going to have feelings about it and make art out about about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> you create, you know, you create the one that rises against you 
that's absolutely true. That's mm. literature, you know? So um, I think also like, just like you were saying before, it's just words on paper, but it's literally been the most powerful thing in my entire life. Yeah. You know, this idea of like where I could live, where yeah. I could be myself. So even all these like stories that I had, you know, around like the age of 20, right, you know, before I went to film school, um, a character that followed like a ghost through like a mystery path that she wouldn't explain mm. all these like weird stories, you know, where I'm trying to express how I feel. Right. And now that I have more agency and I'm a person, you know, in my thirties, like I just, I have so much more to manipulate within yeah. the narrative. Now yeah. I am God, you know, so I, I love where living in it now and revisiting our scripts because they're so satisfying for representation and shit like that. But we want to absolutely underline the fact that we need these on screen. They're not just going to help us. They're really going to help everybody. Yes. This is what I talk about with Felix. Like, you know this, John, because you sleep with cis men you know and you you have slept with a lot of cis my, men. my boyfriend is M N V right now but totally, yes, yes. I, <laughs> totally i thought of graham the moment i said it i was like whoop my bad but, but also a yes, uh, cis fucker usually yes you have a lot i'll say it this way you have a lot of experience in intimate private spaces with cis men and what i will say is like trans men i really think we are the tie fighter that shoots the like little core part of the death star and just blows it up i yes. really think that we're i think that trans men are the secret sleeper bombs that come in and like implode the toxic masculinity that is currently still mu very much in power and like trapping all kinds of men yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You you know that masculinity as it's given to cis men is not is like weak. It's like the weak formula of masculinity usually. Yeah. And yes. because we've developed our own and we curate it to our personalities and we have so much more agency doing it, like it's a totally different thing. It's super powerful. I also talk a lot about like cis people's reaction to us usually um versus like trans women and in terms of like cis people are like so fascinated with trans women because they're like why would you give up the autonomy of manhood and for us they think of us as thieves i said this to sid baloo and he was like yes it's like wow we are the thieves of society they want to ignore us because they're like well of course you'd want to usurp that territory who wouldn't it's not your god-given right though and everything is our god-given right to the point of spookable we are divine so you know it, it's ours for the taking I love it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, like my friend Janae Akon always says, like trans people just are part of why we're so polarized politically right now is we're doing this quote unquote radical thing where trans people are like, hey, society, you can choose your own adventure with your life. <laughs> like we're, you can like do and be who you want to be as long as it's not hurting other people. I don't yes, know. That's, that's a crazy idea. <laughs> Crazy idea. Ah! Yeah, we want to underline that fact because sometimes they're like, well, then what about marrying dogs? Yeah. A dog totally. can't consent. Yes, know? exactly. <laughs> exactly. Please don't equate that to transness. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Uh I know it's it is what it is. But okay, last and final thing I want to ask you, or you know, rather just 
for you to say and share is what, how can the audience get to know you more? So like, do you have a website? Do you, you know, what are things that are coming up that they can pay attention to and your Instagram, et cetera, all the ways that we can keep up with John. Gosh. Well, yes, my production company has a website, Heath and Henshaw. Heath like the candy bar and like the spelled out word, hen like a chicken and Shaw like Hobbs and Shaw. I will link it. I will link it. Yeah. I'll link it in the show notes for people to check out. And yeah. And then like are you spookable.com is where you can check out spookable. Um, and you can find the handles for the Instagram on there. We'll just link all that probably. Yes. But um, but yeah, to check out my production company is is a great way to to get to know our upcoming project with Alexandra Gray and also to to check out Bombshell. And then uh, you'll also find links there for checking out my podcast, which is the Trans Cinematic Universe podcast, which you have guested on uh, once and coming up twice. And um, it, it's a uh, it's basically where we we talk about. Uh, films with a trans lens and we it's so good so <laughs> good so much fun it's what it, it's kind of like the Bechdel cast but we're we're doing it for trans and gender stuff and queer stuff so it's a lot of fun and please listen to that and yeah we have can, an episode don't we have an episode coming up you and I yes we so we our episode this is a mega amazing episode it's essentially a TCU pod world of Rex like crossover episode because yes. we, we take a visit to the world of Rex um Marvel does astrology for the end of the year for the upcoming year um on that and we're talking about Debs so we're doing we're gonna we yes. do the astrology for the Debs characters oh my god we did yeah, do that did that do was that. so good oh my god it was so good and it was like really I I felt like it was it was super accurate it was oh my it was on point it was like from a website <laughs> And like, we were like, yes, checks out, checks out. But um, yeah, listen to that. That's like the the end of the year episode. And we're coming up on season two next year. We're going to do it all again. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Okay. And Jonathan, did you mention your Instagram? I think I might have interrupted you. Yeah, I have at Heath and Henshaw, which is our prod co. If you, you know, want to follow through and then try to find my personal one and stalk me in a unique way <laughs> to see who decides to do that. Um, and then at TCU pod HQ is where you can follow the pod. Yes, the podcast is phenomenal. I will link that in the show notes as well. Please take a take a listen to all the episodes, but especially like, oh, I don't know, Zachary Drucker's episode. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a really good one. That's juicy. That's uh, maybe I'm biased, but I love it. And <laughs> you two singing, my favorite thing. Female um, trouble. Yeah. Female trouble. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you, John. Is there any final things you want to share with the audience? Say as you help, you are going to be our final guest for the year of 2023. <gasps> rocket shipping us into our 2022 rocket shipping us into 2023 because you are Sagittarius and you've got all that fuel. Is there anything you oh, want to say? Yes, definitely. One thing I want to say is that Marvel's astrology readings are really worth it. They've really helped me. Oh. I really think that y'all should get one for sure. Like it's really, it really helpful because like the, the way that you do it is so personal feeling um and it, you really take the time so uh i love those go get those and um yeah i just want to say that like last year i asked like the universe for very specific things and it took all of the year for them to like unfurl 
-hmm. And now I'm like looking at all of these things and I couldn't be more excited for 2023 and to ask the universe for like the next level of what I have right now. So I yes. just, I want to just end on that hopeful note because I started doing that Oprah, like speaking to existence shit like five years ago. And it's literally worked every year. I just got really good at like being specific and saying yes. it. Once you say it to yourself, you, you make it true, I think. So yes. that's what I want to leave your listeners with. Absolutely. Oprah is a genius and she's <laughs> absolutely correct. There's And the, the two things, it's like saying things out loud and like whispering them, but also writing things down yes. is powerful. Writing down specific things that you're like, this is my heart's desire is really like a game changer. Yeah. Make that make that manifestation board. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Make man oh, yeah. Oof. Yes, we do that. We do that. We do that. <laughs> we do. We do. All right. Well, everyone on the World of Rex that's listening, thank you. Let's give a giant thank you to Jonathan Andre Culleton. John, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Mark. Yes. Okay. Well, we'll talk probably next year. And uh, everyone, keep your eyes out for John's projects, especially Spookable, which is also my project. We are so excited about that. That's going to scare the pants off of everybody in the best way. <laughs> Ow! Ow! <laughs> yeah, a little bit of wolf there. And uh, we will... Uh, you'll. This is our last 2022 episode, but World of Rex is coming back in 2023. We can't leave you hanging now. It's weekly, it's weekly vibes. So uh, keep on listening, and thank you for tuning in to 2022.